0: Joseph's brain was working overtime. He realized he had several problems. One was the half powered evil businessman in his living room. The other was some kind of egg bomb that was embedded in his floor. The wind was back. The two pins were now working apart, not together. The air seemed full of static. Mr. Visser, Joseph began, stepping around the couch. I'll admit I'm surprised. You seem so nice, so real. Oh, I am real, Dexter retorted. Nice and real. Visser lunged fist forward and connected with Joseph's jaw, sending him flying back into the couch, this time flipping it on its back and sliding into the far wall. Joseph was hurt and dazed. He had never been punched before. He shook his head and started back to his feet. Visser was there and brought a side table down on Joseph's upper back, smashing him into the carpeted concrete floor again. Visser laughed. You do realize that when the bomb goes off, we'll probably both survive it, he said, tossing his head in Mrs. Gardner's direction. But she won't. He reached down and grabbed Joseph's shirt and started to pull. Joseph realized that if he removed the shirt, the pin would go with it. But Visser removing Joseph's shirt was just one of several possibilities Joseph's mind had already foreseen. Joseph held tight just below Visser's grip and twisted, attempting to pull free. How are you doing this? Joseph huffed. Why is the pin helping you? Visser grinned. I've been manipulating this thing for so many years, all I have to do is pretend I have a noble purpose, and I'm powered up and good to go. Joseph still down, pushed against the wall, rolling himself across the floor, sweeping Visser's legs out from under him. With his hands tangled in Joseph's shirt, Visser's head hit the concrete hard. Joseph jumped up. Clovis, take mom outside, he said. Go! Clovis ran over and pulled Mrs. Gardner to her feet. She put her arm over his shoulder, still dizzy from the impact earlier. Then they stopped. Go! I said go! Joseph shouted again. Visser was getting back on his feet. I can't move, Clovis said, panic-stricken. He's got us, Joseph! Joseph looked. Visser had an arm outstretched on the pair. You never knew about this one, did you, boy? He cracked. It's called matter manipulation. They're not going anywhere, and neither are you. Joseph charged forward, but Visser lifted his other arm. Joseph felt as if he were suddenly encased in solid stone. He couldn't move. Now we'll all wait right here until the little egg goes boom, Visser said. Joseph struggled with all of his might against the hold Visser had on him, but it was no use. The only things he could still move were his eyes and his mouth. Listen, Clovis said. Let Miss Gardner go. Keep me. I'm the one who screwed up with the blog. Oh no, son, Visser said. The time for mercy is past. Before Joseph pulled his stun and took my pin, I was planning to put you all under so you'd be asleep when the house blew up and you wouldn't have to anticipate the explosion. It was the least I could do for the family who returned my missing pin. But now you're staying right here and you'll be awake for the whole thing. Plus, now, as an added bonus, Joseph gets to live through it and watch you both die. No! Joseph screamed with all of his might. His voice burst out like a jet engine, piercing through the ceiling's drywall, blowing insulation back into the attic. Joseph's mind put it together, remembering how easily Superior had blown his mother into the wall before. He took a deep breath and screamed no with even more force. The impact blew Visser backward into the kitchen, slamming him into and over the table, then into the large mirror hanging behind it. He landed in a pile of wood, glass, drywall, and dust. Joseph's shouted, worked. Clovis and Mrs. Gardner were free. Clovis helped her into the darkened TV room. "'I already pulled the telephone wires,' Visser shouted from behind the dining room table. "'Good luck trying to call out!' His mother's cell phone appeared over the table in Visser's hand. "'I got this too,' he said. He crushed it, crumbled it, and let the pieces fall from his hand to the floor. Joseph leapt toward the hole containing the entombed bomb. The rubble had cooled, forming a slick armored shell." Joseph saw that Dr. Superior's fist imprint was embedded in the top. Joseph tried to find a weak spot to pull, but the sides of the mound were like glass. He couldn't get a grip. He raised his fist above his head, punching the concrete hard. Small, flat flakes lifted, but no significant damage was done. Over his shoulder, Visser was laughing again. As Superior, I could punch over 100,000 pounds of force. I could blast through concrete, even metal, but now we're both at less than one-third of that power. So unless you've got a 90-pound jackhammer in about 40 minutes, I'd say you're screwed. Well, not you, just your people. He leaned back and roared out his laughter. That thing's gonna blow any moment now. Visser stepped toward Joseph. Joseph kept his distance until his back hit a closed door, the door to the TV room, the room containing his mother, his best friend, and his helpless grandfather. Visser was still coming. Joseph swung out. Visser ducked and came up with a punch of his own, landing just under Joseph's ribs. Joseph's mind recalled getting hit with a baseball just above the ear on his first day of t-ball. It had really hurt. Joseph slammed both fists full force into the side of Visser's head, smashing into his temples. Visser stumbled back, holding his head, but recovered quickly and ran forward headfirst into Joseph's stomach. The impact launched Joseph backwards, smashing through the TV room door, across the room, and into the opposing wall. Both Visser and Joseph lost their balance and ended up in a heap on the floor. Joseph jumped up and over Visser to the center of the room, looking around for his family. Mom, Clovis, and Grandpa were huddled in one corner. The couch had been moved like a barricade. His mother and Clovis were squatted down. Grandpa was wide awake in his chair, shaking like before. He looked furious. Joseph knew the only way to survive this was to get everyone away from the house as soon as possible, which is impossible, he thought, because Visser will just hold us all here using his ability. Joseph searched his brain for a plan, instantly responding to the first one that came. Turning at Visser with both fists forward, Visser scrambled to his feet just as Joseph rammed into his chest, forcing Visser into the wall crater they had just made. Joseph came in close and smashed his head into Visser's, something he had seen in movies. It hurt, but it seemed to hurt Visser a little more. Visser cursed and brought his hands up to his bleeding forehead. Joseph saw the second pin glittering on his collar and snatched at it, hoping to tear it free. He missed. Visser grabbed Joseph's wrist and twisted it back. The pain forced Joseph to his knees. Joseph swung blindly with his other arm over and over, striking Visser on his head, arm, shoulder, and face. He could feel the tendons in his forearm stretching as Visser bore down harder. His wrist was going to give way soon. Joseph gathered the last of his strength and swung his right leg forward, catching Visser in the shin. The leg bent backward with a dull, sickening crack. Visser released his grip and fell to the ground, wailing in pain, holding his upper thigh and staring with wide eyes at what was obviously a broken leg. Joseph made another dash for the pin, but Visser flashed his arm out toward Joseph's mother. She immediately grasped her throat. One more move, he whispered darkly, and I'll crush her windpipe like an empty soda can. Joseph saw that she was getting air, but barely. Clovis was horrified and pressed himself inside the corner behind Grandpa's chair. Grandpa was no longer shaking. His angry eyes darted between his daughter, Visser, and Joseph. He was breathing hard, wheezing through his open mouth. "'Can you imagine what he wants to do to me right now?' Visser said with a smile. "'It must suck to be you, Gramps,' he bawled, spraying spit and blood with every word. "'You okay, Mom?' Joseph asked, realizing immediately it would be nearly impossible for her to answer. She managed a quick nod. His eyes flashed to the corner behind him. Clovis was gone. "'We're just gonna wait this out,' Visser said to Joseph. "'Then you and me can clean up the mess.' Joseph scanned the dark edges of the room for his friend. He swept his eyes between the gaping hole where the door had been to the corner where Clovis had been. He couldn't have escaped that way, he thought. He flashed his eyes along the other path from the corner along the wall. There, behind the pile of rubble created by the double impacts into the back wall, was Clovis. Joseph was glad that he had found his courage. Clovis was a good friend, and he wasn't the kind of friend to let you down. Clovis was working his way behind the slabs of drywall and broken 2 by 4s and Joseph knew why. He was going for the pin, and if Vester didn't notice him, he stood a pretty good chance of grabbing it. Joseph's mind raced for an idea. He looked into his mother's eyes. She was being brave, but the tears were there. Her hands were hooked around the unseen force crushing her throat, dangling her up so that her toes barely touched down. joseph got his idea. Superior, he called out. Visser's head turned quickly to face him with the same proud expression as his enhanced counterpart. Joseph continued. There's no guarantee that either of us is gonna survive the blast with only one pin. You've gotta be thinking it. I know I am. A slight look of doubt flashed across Visser's face, but the smile never faded. You may very well be right, mister Gardner, he replied. Are you ready to return my pin like you did last time? Joseph's hair stood on end. Visser's words were like sandpaper to his soul. "'You do realize the pin you're wearing is rightfully mine. "'You did steal it from me,' Visser said. "'What does your principled mother think of that?' "'He squeezed his clawed hand slightly. "'Joseph's mother attempted a scream as the force tightened. "'Yes,' Joseph answered, his body pulsing with each empowered word. "'They are yours. You deserve to have them both.' "'He was saying anything at this point to keep Visser's attention "'as Clovis slid behind the final bit of downed ceiling tile.' You let my family go and I'll give you this pin. Joseph ripped it off and held it out to Visser. He felt something pulling his whole arm ever so slightly toward the corner where his mother was hanging. He waved the pin back and forth in an attempt to dazzle Visser into staring at him. It felt like he was dragging his arm in a river current, easy one way, hard the other. The feedback barely registered. The bomb was going to go any second. Visser was focused, nervous, and Clovis was now reaching out for the second pin. So if I let your mother and grandfather go, you'll give me the pin, and you'll stay here to die? Visser seemed impressed. Quite a sacrifice. Clovis was two inches away. Grandpa and mom get to live. Isn't that nice? Clovis was one inch away. Aren't we forgetting someone? Who is it? Oh yeah, Clovis! Visser grabbed Clovis's outstretched arm. He squeezed hard and twisted. Clovis screamed. Clovis heard bones cracking under Visser's grip. Clovis instinctively started punching and scratching at Visser's face. Visser squeezed harder until Clovis's body went limp beside him. Joseph heard his mother's body come down to the floor. Visser's hold on her had faded in the distraction. Joseph didn't have time to plan. He leapt into the air, ready to wrap his hands around Visser's neck, but he was stopped in midair as Visser raised his free hand. Joseph was frozen four feet in the air, helpless and furious. Visser laughed harder than ever, one hand still clamped under Clovis' mangled wrist, the other focusing his power on Joseph. We all die then, Joseph said. Visser sobered. It goes like this, Visser hissed. I release you, you give me the pin, I let your family and Clovis leave. I fly out as Dr. Superior, and you stay for the big show and go to be with Jesus. It was all bull. Joseph knew it. Visser had no reason to let any of them live once he had both pins. Joseph nodded in agreement. Okay, he said. Visser chuckled and slowly lowered Josus to the ground. Josus glared at Visser the whole way down. He nearly missed a very important detail. Toss the pin over, Visser said. Josus stealthily picked up a tiny piece of plaster from the floor, then stood up. He couldn't help but smile. Visser's pin was missing from his collar. Josus tossed the bit of plaster. Visser released his grip on Clovis to catch it. His expression changed from one of superiority, then confusion, then anger by the time he swiped the bit of rubble from the air. He threw it back spitefully. Everyone dies, he screamed. Starting with you, Mrs. Gardner. He raised his arm as if to strangle her. Nothing happened. Visser bellowed enraged and threw his arm out again toward Miss Gardner. Still nothing. Visser reached up to his collar where his pin had been. He let out a deep shriek and rolled toward Clovis, realizing he must have taken it. Clovis was sliding quickly back the way he had come, behind the fallen drywall. He was out of Visser's reach. Clovis smiled up at Joseph. In his good hand, he held a tiny golden pin. Joseph approached Visser with a refreshing lack of fear. He hoisted him up, broken leg and all, turned him around and threw him down into the barricade couch. He pulled some dangling wires from the wall and wrapped them around Visser, lashing his arms and legs. Visser thrashed and wailed from pain and rage. He cursed and spat at all of them. "'Hun,' Mrs. Gardner called to Joseph, "'hand me one of those towels.' Joseph took a particularly dusty one off the pile and threw it over. Mrs. Gardner wadded it up and promptly shoved it into Mr. Visser's filthy mouth. "'That's better. Now what about the bomb?' Joseph asked aloud. He was really surprised it hadn't gone off already. Visser was trying to say something. Joseph pulled out the towel. I can deactivate it. Take me to the hole now, he screamed up at Joseph. Joseph hoisted him up under one arm, dashing through the gaping hole and into the battle-damaged living room. Put me over the hole, Visser screamed, his voice cracking. Joseph kneeled and leaned Visser's face close to the mound of fused concrete. Voice command Dinah, Visser barked. A few muffled tones played from deep within the hole. That's good, Visser moaned. I didn't know if it was going to be able to hear me down there. Command form Dexter Visser, he said. More beeping. He was speaking quickly. Perimeter ten yards, detonation five minutes, engage, he shouted. Engage! Joseph threw him against the wall. The sounds in the hole were coming louder and faster. There was a steady beeping that had to be a countdown. You moron! Visser shouted, his voice nearly gone. It wasn't even activated. Now I'm taking you all with me. And if you set foot outside the perimeter, it goes boom early. He smiled sickeningly, closing his eyes. Boop, 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 he said, mimicking the countdown tone. Joseph ran back to the TV room. Clovis, throw me the pin. Clovis reached back and threw overhand. The pin sailed through the air, but at an odd curve toward the corner where his mother was sitting next to Grandpa. Joseph stepped to the left and caught it easily. He ran back to the living room, clipping the pins to his shirt along the way. He expected something to happen, but nothing extra did. No transformation, no extra empowerments, no extra hope beep he pounded at the floor around the hole each slam breaking loose only slivers and dust he pounded faster and faster the beeping countdown echoing in his ears dust filled the air beep joseph threw himself at Visser in a rage dragging him back to the mound and shoved his face into it turn it off he shouted stop it or so help me god i'll tear you apart joseph it was his mother clovis and grandpa were nearby put him down son calm down Joseph did as he was told, but the beeping in the hole continued. Joseph stared down, defeated. Beep. I can't save us, Mom, Joseph sobbed. I've got both pins. Nothing happened. Visser was right. The pins never had a purpose with me. It was just chance, a stupid mistake, and every beep of that stupid bomb is telling us all how wrong it was. She leaned down, hugging him around the neck. Joseph exhaled. I thought if I could get both pins, I could save us, but it didn't work. I'm not one of them beep. Mrs. Gardner's voice was graveled from being choked, but it was no less sweet to hear. Joseph, your whole life you've tried to change the way the world works. You believe that every good deed should be rewarded and every bad one should have consequences, but the world rarely works that way. Bad guys win. They get rich. They become famous. They hurt people. They get away with it, while the good guys, the ones who care, sacrifice, and give, they seem to come up short sometimes. Most of the time, Joseph said quietly, especially us, beep. She hugged him tighter and came closer to his ear. But that's not why we're good, she whispered. We do good because that's what's required of us. We don't do it when it's easy, only when there are benefits or people to notice. Our best is done when we do good for others and sacrifice ourselves to do it. Beep. You haven't lost, son. You haven't failed. You have ended this man's reign of false heroism and destruction, she said quietly. And if we have to sacrifice ourselves to see it through, so be it. Beep. Joseph tore the pins loose from his shirt and held them both up. In the right hands, these would have saved the day, he sighed. Maybe I was chosen, but it chose wrong. He dropped them both to the ground. Clovis caught his breath. Joseph opened his eyes. The pins were hovering in midair. Beep. They moved toward Joseph's chest and pressed in hard, too hard. He moved aside and they continued to travel as the first pin had done on that very first day with determination. The pins rose higher in the air and revolved slowly. Beep. They came to a stop and then came down into the open palms of Joseph's grandfather. Grandpa's intelligent eyes watched Joseph. Joseph looked right back. Joseph's unempowered mind was still working well. "'Mom, earlier when Vessor said he had stole pins from a minister, a chaplain, "'you said that your dad, that Grandpa, had been a chaplain.' "'Yes,' she said. "'He worked in New Atlanta for 35 years until this stroke nine years ago.' "'Beep.' Joseph approached his grandfather, staring into those amazing eyes. "'Grandpa, are these yours?' he asked. "'Grandpa's mouth moved soundlessly. "'Tears rolled down his face.' "'Of course they're his, you stupid moron!' Visser shouted. "'I recognized him through the wall the moment I walked into the door.' Visser grunted, trying to roll over to face Joseph and his grandfather. "'I was kind of on the edge about blowing up your entire family, "'but when I saw Grandpa here, I knew you idiots had to die!' Clovis hit him in the head with a board and Visser fell silent. "'Beep. This explains everything. "'The pin wasn't here for me. It was looking for you!' Joseph tenderly took the pins from his grandfather's withered, feeble hands. He quickly but carefully fixed the pins to Grandpa's shirt collar, and then he stood up and stepped back. Beep! Light shot out from around his grandfather, outlining him like a form-fitted halo. "'I was just gonna say,' Visser called out. The light grew brighter, filling in the neon outline. Grandpa was now a being of solid light. "'Your grandpa is William H. Rogers.' The light shape shifted, grew taller, wider, and rose out of the wheelchair. The light blazed so bright, it caused the group to shield their eyes. Reverend Will Rogers, that is. The light began to fade. Joseph squinted to see what had become of his grandpa. His eyes temporarily blinded by the brightness, or better known as... Clovis and Mrs. Gardner approached. Before them stood a very tall, broad-chested man with short brown hair... Grinning from ear to ear, standing with his hands on his hips, head to the side, appearing quite heroic. Captain Mighty, Visser concluded. Big whoop. And so it was Captain Mighty, from the museum walls, from the video clips, from the movie based on his service to the world. He was here, in the middle of the demolished living room. He wore a tight burgundy shirt that was strapped over with drab green shoulder pads and a large metal plate across his front, embossed with a large stylized M. He wore khaki green pants that tucked into knee-high brown boots. His leather belt with a silver buckle hung with a series of pouches and compartments, two large holsters that were strapped to his legs just above the knee. Beep! Grandpa! exclaimed Joseph. Dad! Mrs. Gardner cried. Captain Mighty, Clovis shouted, grinning in spite of his broken wrist. Joseph D, Captain Mighty swept both of them into a huge hug. It's been so long. He held them close, off their feet for a few seconds, and then set them back down. Beep. Hold on, I'll be right back, Captain Mighty said. He was suddenly behind them, kneeling over the mound containing the explosive device. He stretched out his arms and fingers and jammed them straight down into the concrete slab. Pulling them out, he held his arms vertically and slammed them down again, forming a nearly perfect circle around the entire mound. He thrust his open hands into the gap up to his elbows. He pushed inward, pulled upward, and broke loose the entire sphere of cement that held the bomb. He had even brought up a few inches of dirt. He winked at Joseph and his daughter, and then with a whoosh, he was suddenly around and out the back door. Without a pause, he kicked off from the ground, leaving two deep footprints in the grass. The takeoff sounded like a low-flying jetliner. Joseph and his mother ran out back to see if they could catch a glimpse. It was dark, but they heard a loud crack as Captain Mighty broke through the sound barrier. My dad, Mrs. Gardner said with a sing-song cadence. He was Captain Mighty in enhanced... For most of my childhood, and I never knew, moments ago he was in a wheelchair. Now he's in space. Clovis stumbled out into the yard, holding his horribly swollen wrist tenderly. What have I missed, he said, his speech slurred. Apparently the action, the pain, and the excitement had all caught up with poor Clovis. Joseph couldn't help but grin. Well, my grandpa's Captain Mighty, said Joseph. That's awesome, Clovis mumbled. I love Captain Space Marbles. I think Clovis needs a doctor, Joseph said. They continued looking upward, waiting to hear or see an explosion. I hope he's okay, Mrs. Gardner said. He hasn't had his medication yet. Just then they heard the sound of a jet racing toward them. A faint red dot became a stripe of color, and that stripe of color slowed to the muscular form of Captain Mighty as he lightly touched down. Sorry for dashing off, Captain Mighty said. I took Dexter's bomb to the upper atmosphere and crushed it with my hands. The lack of oxygen combined with the pressure caused it to implode. It hardly even made a sound. He opened his arms wide and everyone, even Clovis, got a hero-sized hug. Clovis pushed his face into Captain Mighty's arm. He smells like space, he said dreamily.